What's up everyone? Welcome to Red Rocks Young Adults YouTube channel. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that through today's message you would leave challenged and encouraged, but ultimately have a new encounter with Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this message. Hey, hug someone's neck on the way down. Tell them you love them. Anybody over the snow yet? Oh, you know those people that have those, those things that say like, never summer or always winter or whatever? I just want to hit you with my car. Um, you know what I think is one of the most detrimental things to a relationship? I'm going to give you some good advice here. Okay, write this down. We're kind of in dating season, you know what I'm saying? One of the most detrimental things to a relationship, um, lack of communication is one of them, but I think one of the most detrimental things to a relationship is unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. When I'm expecting something of you that has not been promised or has not been defined. When I'm expecting something of you that cannot be Fulfilled. One of, one of the most detrimental things to a relationship is unrealistic expectations. And I think whenever people go and get into marriage for the first time, for, well, hopefully just first time. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Uh, when you get into marriage, you have all sorts of unrealistic expectations of your spouse. Okay. When me and my wife got married, we had all sorts of unrealistic expectations for each other. And my wife had probably a few more of me, okay? But one of the unrealistic expectations that my wife had of me was that she expected that I would be the one who kills all the spiders. And y'all, I hate spiders. Listen, I'm not one of those outdoor people. Like, camping to me is cracking the window at my home, okay? I, I'm not, CK, you feel me, bro? Come on, yeah. I, I'm not into spiders. Like, I hate spiders. I feel like spiders will be filled with, uh, with, with, with will be, hell will be filled with spiders along with Raiders fans. I don't know. But it, it'll be. That was for you, Rowdy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't hurt me. So my wife had this unrealistic expectation that I would be the one who would kill the spiders. And uh, I think it was about our first three months of marriage. And I'm in the back room, and all of a sudden, my wife just, like, this blood-curdling scream. And, and I, I grab, I have like an end of like a, a, a pool stick in, in my, and I grab and I run like, yo, what's up, what's up, where's he at, where's he at? And she's like, babe, she was like, I saw a spider. I'm like, what? A spider? She's like, it's a big one too, I've never seen one like this. And I'm like, all right, show me where it's at. I'm like, I don't, show me where the stupid thing's at. And she's like, it's a big one. I'm like, okay. So she shows me, and, and no lie, this spider was maybe the size of a dime, okay, like, world's smallest spider. And I'm laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jerrica. I got this. Don't you worry. I'm going to kill this spider for sure. Okay. So I go and I get a paper towel because I'm not, I'm not going to step on it. That's gross. It's going to get all over the place. So I go and get a paper towel and I go to the spider and, and I go to smush it like, mm, got him. And then you got to look at like the blood and the guts and all this stuff, you know, so I turn, around, I turn the thing around to see it, and it's not there. And all of a sudden, I feel this, and, I'm like, and I throw the thing down. I'm like, no, and the spider like gets loose, and the spider crawls behind the couch. And my wife is, I'm not, I know she's looking at me. I'm not looking at her. She's like, you had one job in this household. 
You sleep on the couch, sucker. <laughs> unrealistic expectations. You see, unrealistic expectations usually equals unmet expectations. And what happens when there are unmet expectations? If you're expecting something from me and I don't do that or I don't fulfill it, you're going to be frustrated with me. You're going to be angry with me. It's going to cause some kind of relational strife between us when you have expectations of me that are unmet. Here's what I'm trying to get to. Is that most of us, when it comes to our relationship with God, we have very unrealistic expectations of who God should be and what God should do. We do. Every single one of us. You see, we expect God to do things that God never promised that he would do. We expect God to do all sorts of things that God never defined or God never promised that he would do. You see, what's interesting is that a lot of us, we treat God like God is some kind of vending machine. Let me give you an example, okay? I love vending machines. I don't know what it is about them, okay? It, but it's like walking up to that vending machine, and it has like the clear glass and the light that is shining on all the kind of food that you would never eat normally, you know? And, and I'm like, I'm getting flaming hot Cheetos and a ho-ho. So I would never get that anywhere else. But, but, but you're looking at it, and you can look at all the choices, all the things you want, and all you gotta do is put the right amount of money in, press the right buttons, and you get exactly what it is that you wanted. That's a vending machine. But a lot of us, I think that we treat a relationship with God like a vending machine. If I push the right buttons, if I say the right things, if I give the right amount, if I pray, if I do the right things, then God will answer my prayer. Then God will come through. Then God will shift my circumstance or shift my situation. We come into a relationship with God and we think there's some kind of formula to get God to do what it is that we want to do. If I do X, Y, and Z, then God will do X, Y, and Z. We treat our relationship with God like it's a transaction. All right, God, I did it. Now it's your turn. Go ahead. Come on. I'm waiting. I'll wait a couple of days. Come on, Jesus. Go. Do your thing. Right? If, if I do this, if I press the right buttons, if I give the right amount, if I pray the right amount, if I come to young adults and serve and do the right things, then I can expect that God will give in return to me the things that I want and the things that I desire in this life. You know why this is so dangerous, though? Think about this. What's the most annoying thing when it comes to a vending machine? You know. You know. Come on, you know, you've been there before, right? In high school when you were getting Doritos and a Pepsi for breakfast, right? You're sitting there and you put the money in. And for some reason with vending machines, you always only have the right amount. You never have, you never have more, okay? And, 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 and you, you put the money in, you press the right buttons, you see, and you're just like, oh, here we go. And there's zoom, stops. And you're like, I'm about to lose my salvation right now. And you're just, you're just like shaking the thing. And then someone walks by, and you're like, what's up, bro? You're like, I want the thing that I paid for, the thing that I want. Give it to me. Right? It's so frustrating when we don't get what it is that we think that we should have. When we treat God like he's some kind of vending machine, when we don't get what we want, what happens is it, it angers us. It frustrates us. It confuses us. It hurts us, and it, what it does is it ends up causing relational strife between us and God. We begin to lose trust in him. We begin to avoid him. 
because it always seems like the more I expect, the less that he comes through for me on a lot of different occasions in my life. Like, God, I asked you to take away my pain. I've prayed for it. I've had faith for it. And nothing's changed. God, I asked you to heal my dad's sickness. And our family has circled it and we have prayed for it. Nothing's happened. God, I've asked you to take away my depression. I've asked you to change my relationship issues. I've asked you to change my circumstances and my situations. And I feel like I've done all the things that I know how to do. And it seems like you have done nothing in return. And just like a vending machine steals our money, we feel like God steals from us. And it hurts. And it causes relational strife. Can I remind you of something, though? God is not a vending machine. God is God. God is not some genie. God is God. God is not some kind of cosmic vending machine. God is not someone where we just say, this is what I want when I want it. And then God provides for exactly how we thought that God should provide. Listen, his expectations are different than our expectations. His desires for your life might just be different than your desires for your life. His ways and his thoughts may just be different than your ways and your thoughts. His timeline is different than your timeline. God is not a vending machine. God is God. However, as long as you believe that what you want, God should provide, the more frustrated you will find yourself in your relationship with God. So what do we do when our experience doesn't match our expectation? What do we do? Well, there's a story in the Bible about this couple. Their name is Abram and Sarai. And it's in Genesis 13 where we first really begin to meet them. And so it's in the beginning of the book or the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 13. And, and we begin to meet Abram and Sarai because God comes to Abram and it says that God uh, calls Abram to inhabit a land that God has set for them. So God has set a land aside for Abram, and he calls Abram, he says, I have called you to go into this land and inhabit the land. But God also says to Abram, to your offspring, I will give this land. So in other words, God is saying, you're going to have children, and those children will have children, and those children will have children, and all your descendants, this land and beyond, I will give to your offspring. That's awesome. That's great. Here's the problem is that Abram and Sarai are in their 70s, okay? So they're well past the years of having children. Not only that, the Bible says that Sarai is barren, meaning that Sarai cannot have children, okay? So this is a predicament that they're in. They're in an age where they can't have children, and, and Sarai is barren where she cannot conceive a child. But despite this, God makes a covenant with Abram that you will have children, what I love about this is because the supernatural always supersedes the natural. God can take any situation. God can take anything you might find yourself going through. And through God, all things are possible. It's a beautiful thing when it comes to a relationship with God. But God makes a covenant with Abram that you will have a child. And so Abram and Sarai, they now have this expectation Based off of God's promise to their life of having a child, they now have an expectation, a valid expectation, because God said, literally, you will have a child, and so they now have expectation that God will bring them a child. And so they get to work. 
literally and figuratively. Someone just goes, mm, mm, weirdo. <clears throat> so they get to work. But 10 years goes by and nothing. Nothing happens. You ever felt that way? Feel that right now in your life? Where you find yourself sitting in a place and you're like, Man, not, not uh, quite a while ago, I felt like God promised me something. I felt something in my heart when I was at the retreat or young adult where I felt like God spoke to me and, and, and whatever. And now I, I'm sitting in this place and I feel like I'm in this same exact place as I was 10 years ago or a few years ago or a few months ago. You ever find yourself in that place where I thought that I would be further along in this life, in this faith journey with God than I actually am at this season right now? 10 years went by. Nothing was happening. Nothing was shifting. Nothing was changing. There was no sight of a child coming to this earth. But what I love about during these 10 years is that Abram and Sarai, they still stayed faithful to God. They did not waver in these first 10 years. They stayed faithful to God. They kept walking towards the promise of God. It says that they walked into the land that God promised them. They kept moving forward. They kept taking steps. And it says as they begin to take steps and begin to inhabit the land and begin to work towards the land, it says that God began to bless them and make them very wealthy with livestock and silver and gold. You see, they kept taking steps towards the promise. You see, here's the thing that a lot of us do, though, is a lot of us, we just expect that God's going to do something, but we take no steps of faith towards our promise. We have, we have this big belief that God's going to do something. God spoke to me. God did something in my life. It's going to happen. But then we have no steps of faith moving us towards the promise that we feel like God put on our lives. And, and what we usually do is we feel like God spoke to us, and then we do a lot of sitting, wishing, waiting. Be like, come on. This is going to be dope. God said he's going to do it. You watch. I'm going I'm to sit here eating potato chips, but you watch. God's going to do it. Right? But God has spoken something to you. And in this season, when your promise hasn't been fulfilled, can you keep taking steps towards the promise that you know God has put on your life? Listen, I know that you feel like God promised you that he's going to heal you from some of the relational stuff that went down in your life. Okay, expect it. Believe it. Pray for it, but maybe you should take a step of faith and start getting some counseling, saying, I'm going to start working my way towards the promise that God has called over my life, okay? I have expectation, God spoke over me, that he's going to get me out of financial debt. Awesome. Pray for it. Believe it. Have faith for it, but maybe you should start putting some money away and start paying off the debt, even if it's $5, saying, God, I know that you put it over me, and so I'm going to take a step of faith towards it. Right? Don't sit back in a season of life when you feel like God promised you something and wait for God to fulfill it without you taking a step of faith. Expectation is believing that God's going to do something. Faith is taking a courageous step towards that belief. Amen? Wow, I'm tired. Wow. Thank the Lord. But they had all this stuff. It's, it's interesting. They had all this stuff, all this livestock. They were very wealthy, but they still hadn't forgotten about the promise. Isn't that funny how we can feel like everything in my life is great, but there's still just that one thing. There's still that one thing I want. They hadn't forgotten about the promise, but you know what? God hadn't forgotten about the promise either. And it says that 
God comes to Abram again, and it says this, the Lord said to Abram, look around from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see, I will give you to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offering like your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust and your offspring could be counted, go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. God re-ups on his promise. And then what's interesting about this is after God promises in this, it says that Abram builds an altar. God came to Abram three different times to give him this promise. And it says that every time Abram built an altar. Okay, here's what's significant about this. Is that when you would build an altar in that time, a lot of times it was for sacrifices or whatever, or whatever it might be. But a lot of times people built altars to commemorate an encounter with God. And so Abram built an altar every time God promised him. And it said that Abram would oftentimes go back to the altar. Why would Abram go back to the altar? To remember the promises of God. Right, so when Abram was going on with his life, he was working the fields and nothing was happening, Abram would go back to the altar to commemorate his encounter with God where God promised him that you would have a child. Can, can I remind you that that's why you open up the word of God. That's why you pray. That's why you worship. That's why you come to young adults, to commemorate an encounter with God and remember God's faithfulness. Remember God's goodness. Remember God's promise that you keep coming back to the altar. What a lot of us do is we have this moment with God and we wander and things don't go good and we just keep on running back. And then we run further away from the promise that we feel that like God has placed in our life. See, listen, God is going to promise you things. God has promised you things. But the further you run, the further you run from the promise. Sometimes you have to rise up in your biggest step of faith is saying nothing has happened in my life, but I'm still going to open up the word of God. I'm still going to come to church and I'm going to remember the faithfulness and the goodness and the promises of God. Amen. That's why you sit in here tonight. That's why you walked in this room to remember and remind God of his promise to your life. And it says that some more time goes by and nothing happens. Still nothing happens in their life. No child. And it says Abram and Sarai, it says just like every one of us, they become desperate. We good over here? She okay? Are you sure? We need to pray for her? Want to pray for her? Who is it? okay all right all right what's her name what's her name grace hey can we pray for grace real quick can you stretch out a hand lord we just pray for grace right now in the name of jesus lord whatever's going on in uh in her life um god we don't know what's going on but lord in the name of jesus god would you heal her come on y'all with, with faith can we pray for grace in the name of jesus lord would you heal grace god would you cover over her body Name of Jesus, lift up grace. God, you see her. Lord, you knew it was gonna happen. Lord, you know exactly what to do. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you cover over grace. Jesus, we love you. We trust you. We give grace into your hand. Name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right, we'll try to continue, huh? 
Grace, we're here for you. Come on. God, healer, touch her. Some more time goes by and they become desperate. Just like every single one of us, like a lot of time goes by and we become desperate. Man, I don't, I don't know. I, I, don't feel, I don't feel great about going on right now. <laughs> She's okay. All right, all right, we'll go on. Sorry. I don't want to be insensitive to, to her situation. Um, I think for a lot of us, I think what, what happens, I'm just going to kind of skip through some stuff, but um, is we become so desperate for God to move. And we feel like, you know what, God's not moving, so I'm going to move. God, you see what I'm going through. You see my situation. You see my struggle. You see the things, Lord, that, that's going on in my life. You see the hurt. And, Lord, you haven't moved, and so I'm going to move. Lord, you see how depressed I am, and it seems like nothing is working when I pray to you. And so, Lord, I'm going to go back to the thing that I know that doesn't make me feel as depressed as I feel. I'm going to go back to the substance. Right, like, God, you, you see the relational stuff that's going on in my life, and I have so much uh, brokenness from, from all the horrible relationships that I've been in, that I've gone through in my life, and it doesn't seem that you're going to be doing anything in my life at any point soon, and so I'm just going to move on to the next guy because every guy makes me feel a little bit less of the thing that I want to feel right now. And so what usually happens, though, because Sarai, Sarai and Abram, they kind of took it into their own hands. Sorry, I didn't read that part, but they took it into their own hands, and their situation got worse. And what you know is I know that you might have some anxiety, and so you turn to marijuana so that you don't feel so much anxiety, but usually what happens is that you feel more anxious than ever. And so you need it even more. You need more of the substance. You need more of the relationship. And the, and the more you need, the more anxious, the more depressed, the more overwhelmed that you become. And you find yourself in this vicious cycle of always searching and never finding what it is that you're looking for. But what I love about God What's so important to understand about God and what's so amazing about this is that even when you lose faith, God never loses his faithfulness. Even when you lose faith, God never loses his faithfulness. Even when you're up and down, your emotions are up and down, that your God is constant. Even when you're changing, our God is never changing. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who he was for Abram and Sarai, he is for you today. He stayed. The thing is that God made a promise, and God stayed faithful to the promise that he put over Abram and Sarai. Listen to this. It said, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abram in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abram gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. 25 years between when the promise was given and when the promise was fulfilled. Can I tell you that the promise fulfilled will always look different than the promise given? 
that what you feel like God has spoken to you will always look different at its fulfillment. The timing of it will always look different. It'll never look what you think that it should look like. The fulfillment will always look different. But what I want you to understand is something so important, that the promise of a son was not fulfilled because Abram was perfect in his obedience, but it's because God was faithful to his word. God's promises never return void. It wasn't because Abram and Sarai were so righteous or, or whatever it was, were so obedient. It's because God promised it and God is always faithful to his promises and his promises never return void. Amen. We'll let her walk out of here. Grace, we love you. Come on. All right. She's up. At least, at least that, right? <laughs> you know, you might be sitting in, in a room like this today. Hey, sorry, this isn't, this isn't usual. I don't, I'm just, you're like, does this happen every week? No. <laughs> you might be sitting in a room like this today, and, and you might be thinking, you know what? Good for Abram. That's great. But my promise has still not been fulfilled. Right, great for Abram, but my promise has still not yet been fulfilled. You know, I think it's interesting that you might sit in a room like this and it's like, you guys sit up here and you preach every week about stories of people in the Bible who God in just a moment heals them of their situation and their circumstance. But what about me? Like you guys stand up here every single week and for the past couple weeks you've talked about people that had one encounter with God and that they were completely healed. But what about me? I'm, I'm tired of always hearing that people all throughout the Bible got their promises fulfilled, but I sit here week in and week out still feeling all the same things that I've always felt. Do you know why Abram believed and expected that God would fulfill his promise? It's simple. Watch this. Because God said that he would. That's why Abram expected it and believed for it, because God said it. God literally told Abram, you will have a child. To your offspring, I will give this land. And so Abram could expect it and have faith for it because God promised that they would have a child. You see, watch this. This is important. Sometimes we expect God to do something that God never promised. Okay, we expect God to give us the promotion when God never promised you a promotion. We expect God to heal our disability when God never promised that he would heal your disability. We expect God to give us the perfect relationship when God never promised you the perfect relationship. Please hear me, listen, I'm not saying that God can't or that God won't. I, I fully believe in praying big prayers and having crazy faith because God can do whatever God wants to do. God could take your horrible situation and heal you in a moment. But I don't know why God might heal one addict in a moment, but then 20 years later, you might find your healing. I don't know why God does the things that God does. Faith is still such a massive mystery. But one thing I have learned is that God moves most when my expectations align with his promises. When my expectations align with the promises of God and the things that I read and the things that God speaks over my life, that's when I believe that God begins to move the most. And here's why. Because when your expectations begin to align with your promises, then all of a sudden your heart begins to align with his heart. 
And as your heart aligns with his heart, your heart begins to align with his desires, with his way of thinking, with his plan and his call for your life. When our expectations align with the promises of God, that's when I feel like God begins to move. But it always takes faith. You can expect God can promise, you can expect it, but it always takes a step of faith. Like, watch this. If anybody, you find yourself, you're tired in here, you're overwhelmed, you're exhausted with life. He says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight: come to me, all who, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's a promise from him that he will give you rest. So you can expect from God that God will give you rest, but it is still a step of faith to come to him, all who are weary and burdened. Does that make sense? It's a promise from God, and you can expect it from God, but it's still a step of faith for you to enter into the presence of God to experience the rest of God. If you find yourself feeling anxious and need God's peace, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That God promises to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. So you can expect that and believe that, but you still have to take a step of faith to be thankful to God, to pray to God, to petition to God. When you feel lost and confused, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. That God promises to be a, a lamp to your feet and a light on your path. So you can expect that from him. But it says it's, it, it's in your word. So I have to take a step of faith on the daily to open up the word of God and begin to engage with the word of God. As I engage with the word of God by taking a step of faith in that, then God will begin to move. When I feel weak, anybody feel weak in here? You're burdened, right? Three of you. Ephesians 3.20 it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, that God can do more than we could ever ask or imagine, that we can expect that from God, but we still have to plug into the power source of which is God on the daily. When I'd have no joy, Psalm 1611 says, you make known me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand that God promises you that he will fill you up with joy so you can expect that God will do that, but you still have to take a step of faith to enter into the presence of God to experience the joy as our strength. That God doesn't promise you specifics. Now, God can do anything that God wants to do because he's God and you're not and I'm not. But God promises you peace, guidance, protection and we can bank on those things we can expect those things but it still takes us getting up out of our seat and stepping into the presence of God opening up the word of God listen you coming one hour every three weeks to enter into the presence of God you are not going to experience the promises of God you wonder why your life feels tension always. It's because you look at, at, at your life, your relationship with God as, as the one time a month that you come to young adults. Listen, if you want to experience the presence of or the, the promises of God, you can expect all the things in the world from God. But if you don't take steps of faith towards those beliefs, you will always find yourself being frustrated with God. That makes sense? Expectations, like Connor talked about last week, isn't just something that you think up. 
isn't just like, you know what? I'm going to expect this from God today. But God, if you don't do it, I'm going to be ticked. I don't know. It's not just something we grab out of the air. We, we, we engage with the word of God. And, and sometimes God will speak things over us. He'll give us wisdom for things and discernment. And we begin to pray for those things. But when your, your expectations align with his promises, that's when I believe God begins to shift and God begins to move. And why I decided to, to talk about this this week is because it, it's, it's where I find myself. Um, not, not many of you know, and I'll, I'll let you into it because usually I don't, I don't ask for prayer and a lot of stuff, but I want to ask for prayer in the situation that I'm going to tell you about. But um, my wife is pregnant with our second child. And yeah, it's awesome. And, and my, my wife's due date was supposed to be uh, April 29th. And uh, the pregnancy and everything w w was going well. And then this past week, uh, we, we went, and, and, there, and there was, there's some complications, and, and her pregnancy just turned high risk. So much so where they moved our due date up three weeks because they're like, your wife cannot go into labor um, because it could be very dangerous. So it's a scheduled for her to, to get the baby out April 7th. So they moved us up because like your wife cannot go into labor because it could be fatal for your wife or your child. That kind of kills your soul. Um, it kills your soul. I mean, that's my, that's my wife and my baby girl. Uh, if, you have a, if you have a child in here, you know. Um, I mean, I'll take, I'll take every kind of beating in the world before having to watch my child go through something or my wife go through something. So um, it's not easy, man. So I, I don't, trust me, I don't stand up here on this stage um, pretending like I, I have this insane faith and, and nothing's, man, no, it's, it's been a really difficult week. And, and so what I'm doing is I, I am believing by faith that God is going to heal my wife. That the next time that we go to the doctor, that they're going to say everything's fine. Your, your, your due date's back to April 29th and everything's fine. It's going to be a normal delivery. Everything's good, Okay. And I'm having faith for that. And so I've literally set an alarm every morning at 8 a.m. And every morning it goes off and it says, pray for Jerica, baby, and Abram, our son. So every morning, 8 a.m., usually my, my, my son, I just sit him next to me and we just pray. We pray for, for mama and baby that God would move. And, and, and I'm having faith for it. I'm believing that God's going to move, that God's going to shift things in my wife's stomach, that things are going to change. I'm believing for it. But can I also remind you, and this is hard for me to even speak out loud, but I believe it's true, that God never promised us that this pregnancy would be smooth. That, that God never promised us that he's gonna shift things around in my wife's stomach to make sure that she has the perfect delivery. God never, now I'm calling on God for it. I'm circling it, I'm believing it. Anytime that I close my eyes to pray, I'm sorry, I'd love to pray for you a little bit more often, but I'm praying for my family right now. Every time I close my eyes to pray, I'm believing for it. But you know what else? Every time that I end my prayer, I say, God, but not my will, let your will be done. God, I still trust you. God, you, you still promised me that you would give us peace. Lord, you promised that you would give us wisdom and discernment. You promised that you would, you would watch over us. And so, God, I'm going to call on the promises of the things that you have spoken in your word 
over our life. And so I'm calling on the promises of God and believing that, you know what, even if on April 7th we have to have this scheduled delivery, I still believe that in that moment God is gonna give us peace, God's gonna give us strength, God's gonna give us comfort. They're saying that my daughter's gonna have to be on oxygen and probably be in the NICU the second that she's born, you know what? And even if that happens, I still believe that my God is good. I still believe that my God is powerful. I still believe that my God can change whatever it is that he wants to change. But even if he doesn't, I still will put my faith in him. Even if he doesn't, I will still worship him and give him all the glory and the honor and the praise that he has allowed us to experience so far what we've experienced. Lord, thank you for my family. Thank you for my child. Thank you for my wife. Thank you to, that you've allowed us to even get pregnant the second time because a lot of people don't even get to experience it. Lord, I know that it's not perfect, but Lord, I trust you in it. And so I, I, I say that all to say because I, I just know there's people in here where your situation might be 10 times worse than me. And I know that you find yourself praying every single day that God would do certain things, but could you get yourself to a place that says, even though, even if he doesn't, God, would you give me the peace that you promised me? Would you give me the strength? Would you give me the joy where anybody else in this world would be freaking out, but somehow I have this crazy joy and this crazy peace in my life? Listen, I don't know how, how faith fully operates. I don't know the mysteries of God. None of us will until we get to heaven. But the only thing that I do know is that God says to pray. God says to have faith. And so you better believe I'm going to pray and I'm gonna have faith. And if my prayers will God to move, amen, that's awesome. But even if, I'll still give my praises to God. You all stand to your feet. See, at the end of the day, you want God's will for your life more than you want your will for your life. I know it doesn't feel like it, but how many times in your life have you been like, Lord, thank God you did it your way? Right? So I'm like, I, I'd be in a bad way right now if, if I had it my way. Even Jesus, when he was in the garden about to go to, to be crucified, Jesus said, Lord, take this cup from me, please. But then in the same breath, he said, but not my will, your will. Amen. Let me pray for you, Lord. I thank you so much for um, this group, Lord, and, and what you're doing, Lord. We lift up grace right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, wherever she's at, Lord, that you would touch her body uh, in the name of Jesus, whatever it is, her, her mind, her heart, her soul, or whatever, whatever she needs, God, uh, touch her right now. But um, Lord, I pray for, for this room, God, I pray um, for the situations. I know there's a lot of people in here who are hurting and wandering and broken and have had a lot of stuff um, happen whether self-inflicted or inflicted upon them. Um, Lord, but I just pray that you would allow faith to rise in this room tonight. With heads bowed and eyes closed, two questions. First question is this, is that um, you, you find yourself in this place where um, you've been expecting God to move, but you haven't been taking steps of faith to move towards the promise. But you say, you know what? This is a time where it's time for me to take a step towards the promise that God has called me to. If that's you in here, would you slip up your hand so I can pray for you? Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Come on. Whole bunch of us. You can put your hands down. Second question is this. Is you don't have a relationship with God. And the biggest issue you have in your life is that you don't have a relationship with him. 
and you came wandering into this place and the biggest step of faith that you'll take in your life is stepping towards a relationship with God and that we can't have salvation without faith. Your first step of faith in your life right now is gonna be you saying, God, I don't really know what this is all about, but I'm gonna step towards you and step into a relationship with you as your first act of faith to experience salvation where your life will not only change here on this earth, but for eternity in heaven. You're in here tonight, you don't have a relationship with God, but you wanna start one. If that's you in here, would you slip up your hand all across this place? Praise Jesus, I see you, sister. He's doing a work in your life, come on. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You can put your hands down. If that's you in here, you, you raise your hand. There's no formula, nothing perfect that you have to articulate. In your own words, just begin to talk to God. Say, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I'm broken. Oh Lord, I wanna put my faith in you. I wanna trust you with my life, give you my life. Lord, we love you and it is our absolute honor to worship and glorify your name. Everybody said, amen. Let's worship y'all, come on.